Hello and welcome to this week's Hong Kong Heritage. I often wonder what would happen if Hong Kong suddenly had a power cut and all the air conditioners shut down at this time of year. The city is no longer designed for cool breezes and archways. When local historian Dr. Dan Waters first came to Hong Kong 60 years ago, only a few buildings had air conditioning. How to keep cool in the heat was down to clothing and architecture. Coming out here, uh, I mean, the hot weather, if you haven't been out before, if you come out by ship, we used to come out by ship, of course, in the 1950s. That was the way we came. And the worst part of the journey, if it was the summer, was, of course, through the Red Sea. But when I came out to Hong Kong in 1954, in actual fact, it was autumn. The, the heat, real heat of the summer had passed. If I can just ask you that, when you actually used to come on one of these, uh, I mean, was it a liner that you came when you used to arrive in Hong Kong by ship? What kind of accommodation did you have? Peninsula and Oriental Line. And I came out, and my family, we came out on the Canton. But there was the Canton, the Corfu, the Carthage, and there was another one as well. Air-conditioned ships started to flood out in the 1930s. The Canton was not really air-conditioned. So did you just have certain areas that would have air-conditioning? Uh, yes, we were in first class because the job I was doing in Hong Kong, but there was also a uh, third class as well, and we had areas where we came out in. And we came out here, of course, and arrived, and people said to me, government servant, you're in Winner House. And I said, yes. They said, it's got air conditioning. And so I said, well, yes, it has. But on the other hand, they were only window units and they were quite old and they were terribly noisy and not particularly efficient. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, when did air conditioning first come to Hong Kong? Uh, I mean, you say those were old units. So um, had Hong Kong had air conditioning for a number of decades? Uh, yes, it has. If you want the first totally air-conditioned buildings, the first one is the King Cinema. Uh, the date is uh, they installed that Jardine Engineering Company installed it in uh, 1931. And then very shortly after the King's Cinema was air-conditioned, then the Queen's Cinema on the opposite side of Queen's Road, that was air-conditioned as well. So with that early air-conditioning and just generally the whole science behind it, how does air-conditioning work? Well, they have uh, <laughs> ducting to a large extent. It's ducting. And then, of course, you get the... Uh, building of the Hong Kong and Shanghai Bank. That was in 1935. And Sir Greyburn, he was the manager. And he said to the architects, build me the best bank in the world. And of course, the best bank in the world, that included air conditioning, obviously. Some of you may remember, you may remember it. Some of the listeners may remember it. Uh, it had... Uh, a lovely mosaic ceiling, vaulted ceiling, which was designed by a Russian. And this was demolished when? In the 1980s. 1980s. Then we had the new bank that we have got today. 
Now, with uh, we're in your flat here at uh, Conduit Road in, in Mid-Levels. Now, your wife, uh, Vera Waters, she's very keen on air conditioning. You're not so much. You don't, you don't uh, enjoy air conditioning. I don't seem to bother too much. But yes, she certainly is, although she was born in Hong Kong. And her first job was at the Chartered Bank. The Chartered Bank of India, Australia and China, as they used to call it in full when she uh, joined the bank. She joined the bank in July of uh, 1956, 1956. And would you believe it then? An international bank, there was absolutely no air conditioning. There was no air conditioning. And no one complained. They were used to it. This is how Hong Kong was in those days. Yeah, I mean, if we look now at the architecture of Hong Kong today, I mean, you've got these uh, a lot of these curtain wall buildings. Um, there aren't these overhangs. I'm not sure that it's designed that well for for a city that has these hot and humid temperatures. No, I'm sure it isn't. Uh, if you look in those days, going back to the 50s when I came uh, for a start. You had two lovely old colonial-style buildings. You had Queen's Building, which was pulled down, and the Mandarin Hotel was built on that same site. And you had the uh, Princess Building. Uh, There's a replacement now, the old one I'm talking about, the Colonial Building. It was demolished in 1964. Two lovely old buildings, and they depended entirely on balconies, overhangs, uh, trying to capture the breeze that comes through. But, uh, of course, now, new buildings, things are completely different. And you get any natural breezes now are blocked with the wall effect, in other words. And gradually Hong Kong became wealthier, uh, density of buildings increased, they became closer together, they became taller, and of course this made, as I say, the wall effect much more difficult and much worse. Oh yes, I mean Hong Kong would be in trouble if there's a big power cut, for example, you know, because we all depend so much on air conditioning, particularly in the city. But uh, prior to air conditioning, when you were here in the 1950s, working as a civil servant, how did you combat the heat? Well, the first building I worked in was the old technical college in Wood Road, Wan Chai. And I taught there for three years. And there wasn't an air-conditioned room, laboratory, workshop, not one single place which was air-conditioned. And uh, how did we put up with it? Well, 1st of May, more or less, we went into Whites. And we changed more or less on that date, and we put on most of the Europeans, the Chinese not so much. People didn't like to wear shorts if they had knobbly knees, in other words. But uh, we used to put on white shorts, and we used to put on a white open neck short sleeve shirt, and uh, we used to put on long socks up to the knees, knee socks. Uh, the only thing we had which was coloured, was black, were shoes. That was all. Now, how would you describe your knees? Uh, mine are passable. <laughs> <laughs> mine are passable, I think. But Chinese, generally speaking, used to stick to long trousers. 
but they were not supposed to be too colourful or anything like that. And I used to enjoy going into whites on the 1st of May, more or less, and we wore it right through the summer, and it wasn't until about the 1st of November that we went back into uh, winter dress. Ahead of air conditioning, you'd have, at the Technical Institute in Wan Chai, you'd have had windows open. And then did you also have ceiling fans? Oh, yes. We had ceiling fans. Uh, you had those throughout. And, uh, of course, as I say, uh, you had to be very careful because you had to have paperweights. And some people would do it intentionally or unintentionally and switch on to a high level of wind and of course all the papers would be blown off your desk if you were not careful. It could make life quite difficult. What did we do in Hong Kong prior to ceiling fans? Uh, well, we had punkers. Punkers, of course, are not Chinese. The idea was brought in from India. Punkers started to be replaced in the beginning of the 1890s and they started to be replaced bunkers by uh, electric fans but the progress was slow because electricity was much more expensive than a coolies pulling punkers backwards and forwards. In actual fact there were punkers in St John's Cathedral until 1920. Uh, what does it consist of? Well a punker is uh, a wooden frame and stretched over is cloth and then there is this cord and the coolie as they call them coolies up until I came to Hong Kong he sits there and pulls this backwards and forwards it's suspended from the ceiling and of course in St John's Cathedral that is quite high up there so you get these cords coming down holding the uh, punkers but I'm just thinking, you know, like when you said that in, in when you came here in the 1950s, there was limited air conditioning in, in some buildings, not others, but certainly not in the Technical Institute you worked in. When I think about also the early factories here in the New Territories in the 50s and 60s, I mean, that must have been very hot work. Oh, it must have been very hot work. There's no doubt about that. And I mean, generally speaking, uh, Sir John Copperthwaite was our financial secretary and he believed very much in uh, uh, not giving people money. You know, I used to write in for various things, and uh, you were very, it was like getting blood out of a stone, <laughs> very much so, you know. <laughs> and uh, he didn't believe in keeping statistics, because he believed that if you started keeping statistics, government servants would start to meddle, and that would cause trouble. And I can remember, I, I put in, for example, I was made the founding principal of the Morrison Hill Technical Institute. And the building was completed in uh, 1970. And I put in and tried to get the all-purpose assembly hall air-conditioned. But not on your life, he wouldn't have it. And anyway, it came to October, which was still pretty hot. And... Uh, there was the opening ceremony, and it was in, in the uh, in the hall. And after it was all over, he came to me, mopping his brow, and he said to me, Waters, 
I'll see you get air conditioning for this hall. Well, of course, it was, it was all, uh, you know, statements to the wind, in other words, because I, he never gave me air conditioning. And about a year later, he went off on uh, uh, leave pending retirement. Mind you, he was good. Uh, Friedman, who was that great economist in the United States, he thought a, a terrific lot of, uh, of him. And, uh, you know, he believed small government. And as soon as you had a big government and they started interfering in industry and they would stop progress and all that sort of thing. Now, in terms of uh, air conditioning these days, uh, do you think that we now overdo it? I think they do. I mean, I don't have air conditioning. Uh, I manage quite well. Donald Young at one particular stage said that air conditioning should be toned down to 25.5 degrees because you can't really pinpoint it to that particular level. But on the other hand, uh, you, you never went in a building at that particular time, which was 25.5. They were almost always colder. I can remember also uh, when uh, Sir Murray Maclehose was here, who was in fact a very good governor, one of our better governors, I think, I always think. And in 1974, there was the oil crisis. He su suggested that air conditioning, that where we got it, air conditioning, that this should be turned down and not be so cold. And of course, that, that to me was very, very sensible. Also, by the way, uh, going back to uh, when we went into Whites, my old boss, who was often considered the grandfather of technical education, Sidney Burt. He didn't wear shorts. What he used to wear was Saigon wet wash suit. And uh, this was Saigon linen. And he didn't like shorts because he had got knobbly knees, in other words. <laughs> <laughs> What's a wet wash suit? Well, in other words, you don't send it to the dry cleaner oh. as you do an ordinary suit today. Uh, and in other words, there were no washing machines much in those days. And you got you, you had a wash armour. In other words, when he came back at night, well, the Saigon wet wash suit would go in the Dobie-ing, the same as uh, all the other things. In the Dobie-in for the Dobie Waller, or wash armour, to see to. My thanks to programme regular Dr Dan Waters, who doesn't have knobbly knees. Thanks for listening and join me next week on Hong Kong Heritage. <laughs>